Hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin, and we have some bad news to deliver today if you were hoping for a quick end to the Idaho legislative session. Right, Kevin? Yeah, it's it's not going to happen because uh, things... Things escalated in the legislature on Friday on an issue that we've been watching for for several weeks and we've kind of alluded to. So this is our regularly scheduled but emergency podcast for this week, looking at what happened at the legislature today, why it has become uh, a legislature that is embroiled in a fight over Idaho's reading test, how we got here, and how we might get a resolution on this issue at some point next week or beyond. It was a crazy Friday, and you were on the House floor when things kind of blew up. So take us there. That's exactly right. I wrote in the first draft of my article today that a volcano erupted on the Idaho House floor on Friday. But what happened was the Idaho House overwhelmingly, surprisingly, and quickly voted to kill off Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Ybarra's office budget. This is a very small $39 million budget, small compared to the public school budgets that sailed through moments earlier. But the issue here is that the legislature cannot adjourn until it passes all state budgets. Uh, It killed off Superintendent Ibarra's budget today over concerns about the treatment uh, and the strategy for handling a reading test that has been administered to students in kindergarten through third Mm -hmm. grade. Uh, There's kind of a pilot program going on right now, as we've reported in a handful of districts, to test out a new, updated, revised, revamped version of the pilot test. Um, Superintendent Ibarra had made a request to expand that pilot statewide. A month ago, we sort of saw the first indications that something may be amiss here. Mm -hmm. And that was back when you were covering JFAC, and JFAC, Kevin opted not to fund Ybarra's request to expand the pilot statewide. Yeah, so that's sort of the, that was sort of when we got the first inkling that this this fight was very real and very deep and very, you know, very bitter. And I think that's a, a fair to say because I think folks are really entrenched in, in several camps on this thing right now. So JFAC kind of fired the first real public public salvo here. The committee cut $100,000 out of the Sabara budget, and that was $100,000 that was earmarked to continue the pilot of this uh, new reading test. And JFAC went further than that. They included what is called intent language in the budget bill, and, and that intent language you know, is, you know, is just kind of what the terminology suggests. It is language that the committee puts into a budget that directs how money can be spent or how it cannot be spent. And in this case, the language is very pointed and very clear. It said that the superintendent's office, the the Department of Education, could do nothing to advance or work on or rework a contract on a statewide reading test. So it was very strong intent language. And that, combined with the cut in the, the budget itself, that really sort of set the stage for what we've seen unfolding over the past couple of weeks and what we really saw explode on the House floor this uh, this morning. JFAC, in that way, drew the line, and from that minute fo- forward, people picked sides and lined up on either side of the line. And we saw this progressively 
become more pronounced and more pronounced as this week went on. Kevin, you and I had lunch with legislative leadership on Tuesday. House Speaker Scott Bedke told the press corps that the treatment of the reading test and reading intervention remained one of the big unresolved issues of the legislature at that point, and that it was important to the governor. He didn't really get into great detail, uh, but we knew there was a problem then. Mm-hmm. The following right, right. morning... And, 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 and Yes, he made it very clear that there was a problem and that uh, when he was pressed to kind of explain what the problem is and what the solution is, he was kind of cryptic. He said, you know, I just want to find something that uh, I can get through the House and the Senate, and it would be nice if the governor didn't veto it. So when you start to hear those kind of words and those kind of uh, veiled references to vetoes at this late stage in the session, you get a pretty good sense that uh, that things are <laughs> are definitely in flux. And we've sort of picked up on that the past couple of weeks. The tension really seems to come down to uh, folks who really want to continue with this pilot test, who really want to continue with uh, rolling out a new statewide version of a reading test, as opposed to some legislators and some key legislators who really would like to opt for more of a local approach to allow districts to dis- determine what sort of reading test they want to use and, and let the decision uh, occur at the local level. That was another issue where people dug in. You talked about the new bill. House Education Chairwoman Julie Van Orden introduced that. I believe it was on Wednesday morning. Would have done away with a statewide reading test completely. Would have allowed local school districts to choose and then administer their own reading test. Not this year, uh, but in the 2019-2020 school year, I believe, uh, is what they would have been looking at. So basically two school years away. Uh, then the State Board of Education convened an emergency meeting on Thursday, and along with Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Ybarra, came out strongly against Van Orden's bill, uh, came out strongly in favor of supporting a statewide reading test into the future, and said that there would be no way to have actionable, consistent data to gauge whether our kids are meeting grade-level reading benchmarks at third grade if every single school district has different reading tests mm-hmm. all over the board. So that set up a clash between Ybarra and the state board and Van Orden and the legislators that support that plan. That bill got pulled off Friday's agenda kind of quietly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then but fast- after it got a very chilly initial response from the committee. I mean, you were there Wednesday morning when the bill was printed, when it was introduced, but not, uh, you know, yeah. the subject of a formal hearing. And you were talking about how committee members seemed very lukewarm to the idea even then. So maybe not too surprising that the bill got pulled because there didn't seem to be a lot of enthusiasm in committee. Is that right? That's exactly right. For an introductory hearing from a bill pushed by a chair, uh, usually it is just a courtesy to print that thing stamp, and bring it back for the full hearing out of respect for the chair. Uh, they did print the bill, but not until they asked a lot of questions. So many questions, in fact, that Republican Representative Judy Boyle out of Midvale cut off debate and kind of threw Van Orden a lifeline and said, I'm going to call for the question here. It's not appropriate to quiz the sponsor on every little thing that's going on here. Save it for the introductory hearing. Uh, so the, the, the real hearing. Or the save it for the full hearing. Right, yeah, exactly. that, that was the introductory hearing. But it, that suggested that that was not going to have the smoothest landing. Some people had talked about how that may be the going home bill. Uh, I don't know. That, that bill needs some tweaks. But let's fast forward and get back to Friday's action yes. on the floor. It sort of came out of nowhere. There was no real serious debate against 
the superintendent's budget, except for Representative Ryan Kirby, who stood up very briefly and said, last year we approved the pilot program, we were going to do it for one year, and then the plan was to expand that statewide the following year. And he said, under his interpretation, that that was kind of the law, that that was what we were going to do. And then he sat down and he said nothing else, and that that bill failed spectacularly. It only right, had right. 27 uh, votes in favor. Uh, most of the education committee voted against Ybarra's budget. The final vote was 27 in favor, 42 against, and so it failed spectacularly. It needed a majority to pass. And in one of those weird kind of ways that this whole issue has unfolded, the House killed Sherry Ybarra's departmental budget. And within minutes, Sherry Ibarra put out a press release basically praising the House for what it did, siding with the House for standing up for the idea of a statewide assessment, like the State Board had done on Thursday, like uh, Ibarra had done as one of the members of the State Board voting unanimously to oppose the Van Orden bill, to support the idea of a statewide assessment. So you've got this sort of, you know... This upside down where you've got Ibarra's budget killed, but she was actually happy about it because it continues the debate and kind of forces the debate over whether to resume the statewide pilot. I mean, it it forces the issue because, as we talked about a few minutes ago, you can't leave without setting this budget. So it really... It forces the question. It forces the issue. Yeah, and really kind of a tale, I mean, two different reactions. I talked to Representative Wendy Horman, who sponsored Ybarra's office budget. She said she was completely blindsided. It was a complete and total surprise that the budget failed, whereas, like you said, Ybarra had that press release out within minutes, uh, basically saying, this is great, we need to have this debate. And so... It feels like an ambush. It feels like yeah. she was definitely blindsided and, and supporters of, of the bill were, were blindsided and JFAC members were blindsided. And I think that there's a couple of other things going on here. Um, and I think this also, if you take the reading test out of it completely, I think this gets back to a long-standing struggle within the legislature for some members about how much power JFAC has. JFAC is one of the most powerful committees in the legislature. They set the state budgets each and every year, uh, and so they have they control the purse strings mm-hmm. in that regard. I really think that there were concerns that have been largely unspoken at this point that JFAC exercised too much power in not only setting the budget, but setting policy directions with how they handled the Idaho Reading Indicator Test. And I think that got some no votes for people who really aren't really aware of what the legacy IRI is, what the pilot IRI is, what that new bill is to do away with a statewide assessment in favor of local control. I think outside of that completely, people think JFAC overstepped its bounds here and voted against it for that reason alone. I I think you're absolutely right. I wasn't on the House floor. I was over on the Senate floor, and we can talk about that in a minute, too. But I think you're absolutely right. Intent language, like we talked about before, that is kind of a, a... that is not a popular notion with a lot of legislators mm-hmm. because a lot of legislators who don't sit on JFAC, who sit on the policymaking committees like the education committees, uh, they are they tend to be very suspicious of policy language that they feel like JFAC is inserting into budgets. And we've seen this before. You know, back in days of yore, before mm-hmm. we even had a podcast, the 2013 legislative session was hung up on this very issue with the the overall, the bigger K-12 budgets, mm-hmm. 
The Senate killed a K-12 budget, forced the legislature to stay in town probably for another week or so because of a, of a revolt <laughs> on the Senate floor over intent language in that K-12 budget that you know several senators, including committee chairs, uh, policymaking committee chairs, objected to because they felt like it was intent language that went too far. So I think you're absolutely right. I think that when lawmakers who don't sit on JFAC see intent language and they think it goes too far, that definitely raises some hackles and probably uh, costs the budget bill a few votes on the floor today. Yeah, and I want to talk about where we go from here. And immediately after this budget failed, it was like the air was completely sucked out of the floor on the House. And it was uh, weird because, you know, and I don't want to sidetrack you too much, but the mood of what we've been seeing this these past few hours and these past couple of days is really, is really interesting. Um, we have seen a lot of budget bills, including the K-12 budgets, sail through both houses easily with little debate and few, few or no, no votes. Uh, I think you and I, we both kind of, you know, we're, we're sort of chatting about it on, on, on text that it felt like a legislative session that was just about ready to go home. Yeah. Everybody kind of, you know, you, you get to this point in the session where people are tired, uh, the fights have been fought in the mo- for the most part, win or lose or, or draw, and people looked like they were ready to try to wrap up business and head home. And then this happened. And not to bog down too much in the detail, and, and but maybe to set the stage of talking about where we go from here, it takes time to rewrite an appropriations bill. That doesn't happen in an hour. So even if, for some reason, uh, JFAC were able to put together a budget that people could live with and do it on Monday, it takes time to transmit and move that budget between the two houses. You know, it, it definitely slows down the process, which also means that the debate over how you proceed with a reading test is going to be alive and well because it's going to take time to pass a budget anyway. And you really can't pass a budget without having some sort of a resolution about what to do with this reading test. It, it, it slows everything down on this one issue when almost everything else has pretty much been resolved this I, session. I think you're exactly right. I think we're looking at two. We need two solutions. We need a policy bill with a policy solution, and we need a budget bill with a budget solution. I think we need both of those things. And in terms of the legislative end game, I approach Representative Maxine Bell, the powerful co-chair uh, of the Joint Finance Appropriations Committee. She's been through a lot committee. of budget battles in, over the years. been through a lot of budget battles. This is her final year in the legislative session. And I said, Representative Bell, where do we go from here and how do we get back on track? She said, I don't know. She said, we didn't have agreement yesterday. We did not have agreement last night. We did not have agreement this morning. And we do not have agreement now. So... As of real time right now, Friday early afternoon when we're recording this podcast, there is no solution. They could right. not write a new budget and circulate it and pass it because the solution uh, hasn't been found. Even though most of this budget is fairly routine. It is mostly the other just 30, a budget yeah. to keep the State Department of Education going, to keep the lights on, to keep the staff online. There's not much controversy about that. And that very budget sailed through the Senate with, with no... With no real opposition to speak of, I think there may have been one no vote uh, on that budget. The rest of it is fairly innocuous. But until you have some sort of a resolution and some sort of way to address the reading test, you can't really pass the rest of the budget, (laughs) as we saw on the House floor today. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Representative Horman about it, and she said she she does think that it, it likely extends the session. Just to back up, if, if new to the podcast or new to the Idaho legislature, 
Uh, we've been in session since the second week of January. Leadership was pushing to wrap up all legislative business uh, by next week. Friday was an early target. There was some optimism this week that they could be done before Friday, perhaps. I think that just went out the window. Um, obviously, it's not up to me, uh, but it does take time to... JFAC has to get back together. They have to draft a new budget bill. They have to win support for it. Uh, it has to pass both the House and the Senate. Generally, it takes about two weeks for that to happen. Now, the legislature is able to suspend rules and make parliamentary procedure moves to place bills on a fast track once the solution... Uh, has been determined, uh, but there's still some work to be done, mm -hmm. and and I, and I don't see them adjourning um, next week necessarily. I, and I'm, on the other hand, I'm not trying to suggest that we'll be here like until May or June. I don't think that's the problem at all. Uh, but we may have uh, uh, another extra week in Boise in chamber uh, ironing this issue out. And, and let's do take a step back. I mean, the the, the politics and the political tug of war here is really interesting. I mean, for those of us who cover politics, it's really interesting. I, I, if you go to our, our roundup from today's legislative news, the rest of the legislative news, not just what happened on the House floor, uh, we had this kind of little mini insurrection on the Senate floor over a related reading bill that sort of uh, it was definitely uh, colored by what is happening with the debate over the reading test and the, the budget for the reading test. So the politics aside from all of this, um, let's take a step back and, and put into perspective why this is so important and why maybe this is something that needs to be ironed out and figured out and, and have some sort, of, uh, some sort of resolution. We know we have a problem in the state with, with students showing up needing extra help in reading. That's the deep background. That's the, that's well, the context. And that's the why you should care. Yeah. If you're a parent, if you're... You know, if you're a taxpayer, this is the why you ought to care here. Um, with the reading tests that we've been using, about 35,000 kindergarten through third grade students are not reading at grade level. About half of our kindergartners show up at school not reading at grade level. This is a big concern to educators. Uh, and no matter how you measure reading skills, when you have students who are not reading at grade level and they are... Uh, they don't pick up reading skills or language skills as quickly in those early years. Uh, they fall behind, and then by the end of third grade, as they move into the advanced years, uh, if they're not reading at grade level, they have a lot more trouble with almost everything else that they have to do. So getting the reading assessment right and getting something that educators feel comfortable with and educators feel like they get good information out of is a really big deal. And it, it's also a big budget driver, too, because we've launched into this program to try to get schools more money to help those kids who aren't reading at grade level. And you know what? The way we distribute that money, $11 million a year, is based on reading test scores. The old reading tests that everybody really seems to generally want to replace in some manner, that's been the metric that's used to distribute $11 million. Now, you know, you can use a different metric, but you still are trying to put a lot of money into a program to try to help kids read at grade level. So it all does tie together. So beyond the politics of it, it's a big policy deal. And, you know, something I've you know, been writing about a lot over the past couple of years is what we're trying to do to get kids uh, reading at grade level. It's, it's a big deal. And it's a human story when you talk about thousands of kids who are looking to and needing extra help 
to get reading at grade level. That's a really important point, and that really is where the rubber meets the road on this issue and why we should care. Uh, so many experts have come forward and said that third grade reading proficiencies are perhaps the most key academic indicator yeah. that there are. It's all about reading to learn and then uh, learning to read and then reading to learn. Right. And if you're, if you're behind at third grade, many experts and many studies have shown that you will most likely be behind your whole academic career playing mm -hmm. catch-up. That's why we should care. That's why this matters. And this is why way back in 2013, when uh, Governor Otter put together a task force to look at K-12 policy, one of the recommendations was, you know, do something uh, on the literacy front, do some kind of a reading initiative. And that's where we kind of started here. Uh, this idea that, you know, you have to do more to help at-risk readers. Part of that solution was not just to put more money into reading help, but part of that solution was also the Idaho Reading Indicator is a test we've used for almost 20 years. It has its limitations. It, it doesn't really test kids beyond reading speed, reading fluency. It doesn't really diagnose problems. So a lot of educators have been saying, look, we want something else. We want some more data. We want something more actionable. So here we are looking for something that educators can get more data out of, you know, more actionable data out of. And you know, that's why this has become such a big issue for a lot of folks at the state house. And yes, there's politics. Yes, there's pride. And yes, there's you know, stubbornness and digging in on this issue. But I think a lot of folks are digging in on this issue because it is an important issue for education in the state. It sure is, and I think it'll be fascinating to watch it play out because you have some powerful, important figures who are staking out sides, and they're kind of opposed uh, to each other. You've got the State Board of Education and Superintendent Ibarra staking out a position. You have JFAC involved. You have the House Education Committee and the House Education Chair, Julie Van Orden. We know uh, that the Speaker cares about this, yes. and via the Speaker, we know that the Governor cares about right. this. And his State Board was very passionate about it. And having said all of that, and it's all very important, and it's all important you know, to remember the big picture of it, the, the the politics of it is still fascinating to me because if you had told me in the beginning of January that the issue that was going to hang up this 2018 legislative session was the reading test, uh, I never would have bought that. I mean, in the March Madness parlance, this is kind of like a double-digit seed making it to the final four. It just it doesn't it doesn't seem very likely, but yet that's here here, here we are. This is the issue, and this is the last big battle of the legislative session. It's an important battle, and it's politically a very interesting battle, and we'll be uh, deeply embroiled in it uh, starting Monday for however long it goes. We'll be there to cover it every step of the way. I'd encourage you to bookmark our homepage, IdahoEdNews.org, or give us a follow on Twitter, at IdahoEdNews, for all of our latest breaking stories. This was, as you pointed out, Kevin, an emergency podcast. We wanted to just focus on one issue but I don't want to ignore the fact that overall this would have been a huge week in education without this fight over the reading test. Can you just take a maybe two minutes and kind of direct people to some of the headlines that they may want to seek out? Because we had tons and tons and tons of education news this week. Uh, let's close out by hitting some of the highlights. Yeah, let's go through a roadmap. And again, much more detail at idohednews.org. I'd encourage you to read, read up. You had student uh, protests across the state, including a, a a big uh, demonstration on the state house steps on Wednesday over the issue of school safety and gun control. This 
this is the national issue on, on education, and it certainly resonated at the state house. We have full coverage of that. Across the state, you had a series of bond issues and levies. Some big ones that passed in, in districts like West Ada and Bonneville and Twin Falls and Lewiston, some failed. The bottom line, about $348 million worth of uh, ballot measures passed. Uh, we've got a full roundup of what happened, uh, what passed, what failed. You can find that at adoednews.org. Clark, you broke the story on Tuesday that the very controversial House Bill 590, the private school scholarship bill that had been uh, criticized as a voucher bill, that was pulled off of the Senate Education Committee agenda. That bill is dead for the session. We reported it first. You reported it first at idohednews.org. You can get the roundup of that. And a whole lot of other stuff that happened at the legislature. Um, all of these budget bills that have passed, some policy bills that have passed. Uh, speaking of school safety, a, uh, a school safety bill passed on the Senate floor on Friday. We'll have the roundup of that. So a whole lot to get to at idohednews.org. And in the interest of not uh, giving you a two-and-a-half-hour podcast, we just encourage you to read all of this because it's good stuff and it's interesting stuff and uh, more to come next week. Yeah. I uh, Thank everybody for bearing with us this week. Uh, just keep in mind that this happened about an hour and a half before uh, we started recording the podcast. And so all the answers have not revealed themselves yet. It's kind of a... A fluid dynamic situation yeah. to this to borrow two, some legislative parts. This is two parts. political writers sitting here wondering what what happened this week. Let's just talk about what happened here in the last hour or so. So it, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a free uh, free form discussion of of an issue that we've been watching pretty closely. So I hope it helped uh, bring it into perspective. Yeah, thanks so much for going along for the ride with us and for following our podcast and reading our coverage. We really, really appreciate it. We really enjoy breaking down this intersection of education policy and education politics and trying to explain uh, how, it, how it came about and why it matters. So thanks, as always, for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week. 